0: generally businesses reporting is measuring outputs so sales how much we sold, are uh, measuring what profit was measuring things that the outcomes that we we are interested in but we can't change the outputs per se without changing something else And that's what I mean by inputs. So, as an example, if we say um, our sales are generated by people doing something, we're a very simple example of a a call centre. Sales are generated by people making outbound calls. And, And for a given conversion rate, the more outbound calls they make, the more sales we get to make, then the number of outbound calls that we're making is an input. And actually, that's the thing we should really be measuring because that's something someone can change.
1: Welcome to the biology of business, where we answer the big question. How can healthcare professionals like us, who haven't sold out to the pharmaceutical industry and are spending money from our own pockets, how can we market and communicate our services, our expertise and all the things we believe in so that they reach the world and the people we wish to serve, yet still remain profitable. That's the question this podcast aims to answer. And I'll be sharing with you the anatomy and physiology of a business so that you can apply your clinical reasoning to your business reasoning and create healthy, sustainable and impactful clinics. I hope you enjoy listening and subscribe. Hello and welcome to the Biology of Business. I'm Kate and today we have the absolute pleasure of being joined by Richard Stone. Hello Richard, good afternoon. Hello Kate, how are you? I'm very well and I'm very envious of your morning. You were just saying off air that you had a brilliant morning skiing.
0: I have, I have. It's been very good. Even, we've even enjoyed the snow for about the first time this year.
1: So there fun. has been snow, whilst we've obviously not had any here, you've... Uh, complaining that what you've been expecting hasn't been yep. arriving and then
0: there's some you've got to go high but there's there's some
1: good enough so now you've got tired legs
0: yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> good so richard today we're talking about inputs and outputs in a business so what do you mean by inputs and what do you mean by outputs
0: well i'm talking in outputs i'm talking about my favorite thing reporting and what what are we reporting so that is an output of what we're reporting okay what I really am talking about is what we're measuring okay so generally businesses reporting is measuring outputs so sales like how much we sold uh measuring what profit was measuring things that the outcomes that we we are interested in but we can't change the outputs per se without changing something else and that's what i mean by inputs so as an example if we say um our sales are generated by people doing something we've very simple example of a, of a call center sales are generated by people making outbound calls. And and for a given conversion rate, the more outbound calls they make, the more sales we get to make, then the number of outbound calls that we're making is an input. And actually that's the thing we should really be measuring because that's something someone can change. Mm. So if we say, well, everybody's making 10 calls a day, because I mean, having just not very effective, we know that we could um, uh, create more revenue if everybody did twenty calls a day. Yeah. Those people can, in theory, change that performance. That will change the output, which is yeah. does revenue. You can't change sales revenue by itself. You have to change what's going on yeah. so you know I like to think of this is mostly true business is really a group of people doing stuff doing stuff sometimes it's computers doing stuff but even then there are people at some point interacting with those computers whether they're programming them or reviewing them or whatever so there are people taking actions making decisions and that's what creates what we call sales profit cash whatever which are outputs so what we need to start understanding much more closely is what are what are we actually doing in the business and in what way does those actions inputs to the business affect what we want as our outcome and then build our reporting not only to measure the things that everybody's comfortable with and understands the outcomes but to measure and therefore allow us enable us to manage the inputs.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Whatever the business is and they're all different. So I'm a, I, I use the simplest possible example like you know the call center we can get our heads around but, but the, the, the key then Starts to become what in your business, in any business, what is it that people are doing that affects, directly affects, and to what extent does it affect the outcomes we want? And how do we manage them doing that? How do we measure them Mm -hmm. doing that? Right? And you know, you, you could start thinking about a manufacturing environment. Some of that isn't people, it might be machinery, but it's like, what are the things, the building blocks, that add together, and perhaps imagine the Lego blocks, what are the Lego blocks that stick together to create the building we want, right? And have we got them? We've got enough of them at the right place, at the right time, in the right order, stick together to create what we want.
1: And so there's some thought that I'm presuming needs to go in here and get some real clarity on what the outputs you want, because if you want a Victoria sponge or a lemon drizzle or a coffee and walnut cake, you need different inputs accordingly.
0: The the output, I mean, that's, in some ways, that's all goal setting. But for everybody's outputs, are potentially different. Um, It often tends to be possible to measure that in terms of money, or value um actually let's let's think about that because then this is something new that we haven't talked about in what i do it's sometimes very difficult to explain to somebody the value of what i do for them because unless it's an absolute i'm going to save you 100 grand a year it's hard to then measure okay um but actually what what is possible to measure for anybody is the value of their business that mm. we can debate it till the cows come home but if we assume a certain methodology then a well-run business tends to sell at a higher multiple than a, than a fully run business
1: mm.
0: if we divide by multiple let's say we we generate half a million pounds profit a year Well, if you're going to sell it to a multiple of three, your business is worth one and a half. And if you're going to sell it to a multiple of five, it's worth two and a half. So actually the value of improving, potentially the business and how it works and how effective it is and how efficient it is can be measured by the value of the business. So we argue that that's a good common outcome valuable is this asset right but you could also say for some people maybe the important thing for them is to provide a lot of jobs
1: mm.
0: to have a cash flow that gives them a certain lifestyle to donate a lot to charity whatever it might be there are outcomes that are different for different owners mm. yeah but they tend to come down to cash flow they mm. tend to come down to making more money mm. if you make more money it gives you more choice um you know, some people think making money is a bad thing but it, to me it just gives a choice mm. you want to make the money if you want to give for instance some people want to give more back to their employees my my argument is make the money and then give it back to the employees mm. make the business efficient and effective and fair and if you do the end of the day you made a load of money and you want to give everybody a bonus well that's you off you off you go and they make the business work properly mm-hmm. so the outcome for me is always robustness making sure it's repeatable and how you generate cash
1: mm-hmm.
0: and if it's repeatable and you're generating lots of cash then the value will look after itself actually but that'll be the one measure we can measure between businesses and what's it it worth. So then the question is, okay, we know roughly what the output is, but somewhere in there there's a product, a service, a particular specialism, and in there is all sorts of things that might be really, really important to measure and manage. Okay, you know if you're a haulage business the behavior of your drivers how they behave in, the, in in the truck will make a massive difference to the end value of your business how they drive i mean probably probably the biggest of all is how the driver drives the
1: vehicle and why is that
0: well it, because the driver's right foot Right. Can 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 control how much diesel he uses. Simple as that. And actually that's one of their biggest costs, especially these days. But that's a that's a good example of a, a an individual's behavior. Right. But also how well those individuals are are trained and integrate, prepared to integrate with their vehicle. Because modern vehicles are pretty clever. Okay? I mean, modern truck front ends, I'll are, are, are certainly give high-end cars a run to them, I mean, in, in how clever they are. But I've seen, I've had clients where the, the drivers haven't been trained to use all the clever. Well, at which point buying the clever bits if you don't train the driver on how to use it? That's not, and that's not the driver's fault at all in some cases the drivers have been trained but they're you know they're old school and they don't want to have the truck basically do most of them
1: i'm imagining so, the inside of trucks been like jeremy clarkson's tractor there richard i don't know if you've seen a little jeremy's bit, farm
0: <laughs> a little bit a little bit um in that you know there are vehicles now that know where they're going and they know that there's a hill coming and they will put themselves in the right gear for the hill because they're integrated in the sat-nav with the computer, with this, with that, and things went well, on. You know, I I'm, I know what the rest gear is. You don't, Mr. Driver. Well, right? What
1: you're describing here about an individual's behaviour being critical to the performance and therefore value of the business transfers directly to the clinic setting as well, because the Absolutely. team member's performance and behaviour, the individual yes. team members, has a direct Massive impact on the profitability of the practice and ultimately the value of the practice.
0: That's absolutely right.
1: So rarely looked at. People don't almost want to look at it, or Tom and Mary, how they perform, needs to have a positive impact on the bottom line. And if it's not, something needs to be done about it.
0: But you see, I would immediately think that's really, got, I, I, you're right, and it should be done. I'm not saying to me that's very complicated and worthy of quite the work, because let's say that. Tom reg- regularly sees three more patients a day than Mary, mm. right? Well, prima facie, Tom's getting much greater throughput, right? And that would be a good thing.
1: Mm.
0: Or is Tom rushing his way through the patients who never come back?
1: Mm.
0: and Mary gets repeat business after repeat business after repeat business. Mm-hmm. Right at which point actually the reaction to the measurement might be Tom you need to slow down a bit make these people feel valued so they come back it's never quite as simple as it might look on the surface but it's still the key point is let's measure these people but what are we going to measure, we need to measure throughput but we also need to measure customer retention
1: mm-hmm.
0: Which I always find difficult with thinking about practice because it's not a, it's not only do I want to come back to your practice. It's partly do I need to come back to your practice because it fixes me.
1: So then there's having outcomes <laughs> that you're actually delivering the the yeah. result. And if you've got a predictable system for delivering people a predictable result in that you know 92% of people get better within six yeah. sessions or eight sessions, whatever, then um, you can price accordingly and have the confidence of communicating accordingly.
0: You should say, okay, so yes, if you say someone presented with a problem, whatever the problem might be, you expect that person to come back five times. Mm. Mary's do come back five times. It's mm. not come back at all. Mm. But Tom sees more people than Mary. Yeah. Tom's a nightmare at that point because it's so because you're doing all that work to get a new customer, and Tom's goes not. Right.
1: And do you know what? I, this was the realization I had in terms of when I first had my clinic. The first person that joined my team was a Tom, and this was when I wasn't. I didn't used to measure anything. Didn't measure a thing. And then, which would be the same for many clinic owners listening. And then I had tom it wasn't called tom but we'll call him tom joined my team and i started to think what is going on all my new patients all the clinics new patients are going to tom but his diary's still empty and they're not, they're not coming back so that was when i really recognized the need to measure and his client visit average was under two it was like we we're either a miracle worker or you're not caring about people so then i interviewed a few of the patients and got to the bottom of what was going on and he wasn't caring about people and doing a good job by them but if I wasn't measuring that could have gone on for or I didn't start to measure and think what on earth's happening here that could have gone on for a long time and will be going on for a long time in many many clinics um, yeah
0: the key point here though is to be able to identify the right thing to measure mm. right because again if, but if you know it's a balance isn't it if Mary is getting wonderful customer retention but mm. she's three people a day no good either yeah. so she's yeah she needs to up that game mm-hmm. and what is the right again what's the right balance You know, mm-hmm. we don't know that obviously. and there will be other things that you have to think about measuring but these are great examples of inputs
1: mm-hmm.
0: behaviour of that clinician drives your long term revenue not even just your revenue in the month in that case, in the case of a clinic, you're now talking about your repeating revenue. Mm-hmm. You're now talking about a customer coming back to you that you don't have to go out and sell, mm-hmm. right? But well, they're the most valuable customers of all, right? If I flip that round, and again, this isn't so much a clinic setting, but you could do it. For One of my key measures people is customer profitability how much profit do you make on a customer Mm. and most businesses to put it mildly haven't got a clue
1: Mm.
0: i say who's your most if i say to most businesses who's your most profitable customer with almost without exception they will tell me a name and that's the customer they sell most to
1: Mm. well
0: that doesn't mean anything Because generally, the customer you sell the most to, you're probably pricing the most advantageously, and you're probably bending over backwards to keep them and, and, you know, exceeding to all sorts of demands. And no one's ever measured what they cost.
1: Which is what we've touched on before with regards to the insurance industry. So somebody might say lupa or are they're the, my most profitable customers my most profitable contracts but actually they could be consuming a huge amount of your capacity at a very low rate and you're bending over backwards for report writing and the administration exactly. demands you're not
0: making any money mm. if you cost that properly, and I, and I know i've told you this story before so i you know quickly but i did have a client and it was a haunted client when i started working with them they were losing a lot of money and we got them, within, in 18 months, we went from losing a lot of money to making a lot of money. And the, way, and the way we did it was to derive a model of customer profitability, because it isn't easy and you're never going to get it absolutely right, but you'll get more right than not looking at it. And then they just managed out the unprofitable customer. Mm. And then once they've done that, they you, know, you literally have a graph and, and the ones at the tail The least profitable customers got managed all the time. How do you manage them? Well, I have my patented method of getting rid of customers. Put the price up. They might not go. So if you put the price up to a point where they're profitable, they either stop working with you and you make more money, or they keep working with you and you make more money. So that's a no-brainer. And that particular client was far more developed than that. And in some cases, it might be, well, we'll do a minimum drop size. We'll do this because, you know, somebody might be phoning up for a a bag of flour every day. Well, that's not good because they're they're running off their, you know, so that's getting wholly technical. But if if they deliver once a week, a particular minimum, well, suddenly it became profitable and they didn't even put price up. A, mm-hmm. So that's about, that's a very great measure. Uh, that's an output in a way, customer profitability, but it drives you to the inputs that, that, that make that customer profitable or not profitable. As, a, as another good example, I remember proudly going in to see the CEO there, having mm-hmm. found this particular route. Trip they were doing where they were losing tons of money on the trip, tons of money and pointless. So I was, why are you doing that trip then, right? And of course got put in the place. Mm. Often happens because of course we come in and advise we don't necessarily know the business, so we have to ask questions rather than telling people what to do. Very very key point. So I'm like, why why would we do that? And he said because that truck is coming back past them. Literally driving past that business empty. Mm. So, computer says losing money, but actually, if we didn't pick that up, I'd be losing money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and there's okay. So of course, there's always the application of knowing your business and sense and practicality. But the question was asked, mm. and. The was answered, and that's then makes the decisions deliberate. Mary, maybe we deliberately say to Mary, "I actually quite like that." You, you, you know, and in fact, maybe you then think, "Hang on, I can almost triage my clients into the ones that I think need a really caring approach, mm. sensitive and nervous, and the ones that are just in a bloody hurry." Mm in done out back to work kind of thing and maybe they're both brilliant but actually it's now on me the manager to allocate the clients to the people
1: but sometimes what you and it must be coming in the haulage industry too there's a you might have a gut feel that something's not quite right uh, but you're almost scared (laughs) to look at the numbers because you know if you do look at them numbers and as we've already discussed how important an individual's (laughs) behavior is you're going to have to address that behaviour. Yes. And that can mean difficult conversations and it can also mean that you as the owner are going to have to have a difficult conversation with yourself about how you recruit, how you induct, how you train and how you manage people because at the end of the day it's on your watch that the situation's occurred.
0: Lots of owners tell lies to themselves
1: mm-hmm.
0: because it's easier. It's a lot easier than doing doing the work to identify investors because The one thing is, it isn't necessarily easy to work out the most important things to measure.
1: Mm.
0: It's not easy. It is simple. The concept is very simple. It isn't necessarily easy in a complex business environment to work out the five things you should really measure. Because once you're into 50 measures, we can't cope.
1: Mm. The
0: computer can cope, but we can't cope to have a, a, a num a smallish number of key elements to measure and manage
1: rather like your dashboard in the car you can actually only really keep your <laughs> right. eye on
0: exactly exactly and then you know maybe this is another podcast but actually it fits here and, and and this is the the sort of my little passion about key performance indicators so you know people misunderstand these words misuse these words all the time one is it key key performance indicator you don't have 50 kpis you can't because if you do they're not all key does it indicate performance does it indicate future performance not is it a measure of past performance so you know i i, I sort of like to use the term kpm key performance measure Maybe profit is a key performance measure. It's not an indicator. Mm. That's arguable. At some level, it could be an indicator. If you're an investment company, somebody's profit may indicate future profit. But at the running the business level, Mm. that is just an output. Right. Let's say you're a business for whom um, foreign exchange rates are important. Petrol prices. You're a haulage business. Petrol prices are important. Diesel, even right? Is that a key? Is that a key performance indicator? Well, not really. You can't do anything about. It. You don't change it yourself. It will affect your import your performance. It is a key performance measure. But whether your driver is using his truck better mm-hmm. is a key performance indicator. Okay. What you're doing with those clinicians, if we work it out right, which bits will indicate our performance. The holy grail for me is always, I've got to the end of the month and I have a damn good idea what my measures are going to say, because of what my indicators have been saying all month. Right? And and that's that's where identifying the things that make the difference the behaviors that make the difference and measure those behaviors, those are your indicators. Those are your if indicators.
1: I got this right to keep this really simple. If I were to do a 50 mile drive to I don't know, I'm in Cheltenham right now. Let's say Taunton, that's probably about 50 miles away. If I were to do a 50 mile drive, um what are my key performance indicators? And I want to get there in an hour. So my output is time, because I need to be there in time for a meeting, let's say, in an hour.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. So the things that are going to give me the indication of whether I'm going to be on time or not are the, my average speed to the speed I'm driving. If I'm consistently driving 50 miles an hour or over, I will make right. that 50-mile journey right. on time. Yeah. But the key performance measure, which I can measure at the end, was whether I did it in under an hour or not. But Correct. Yeah. Correct.
0: There may be another key performance indicator, which is when you get lost. Mm. When I've got enough
1: fuel in my tank to make the drive. enough
0: to. Yeah, yeah. right. But yes, your average speed. But then you might have an overlay, which is, I want to do it for, and I don't want to spend more than £8.20 to do it. Mm. At which point now a performance indicator is probably how erratic your speed is. So you may have an average speed, that's fine. If you were to set off now, have no interruptions and be able to drive at 50 miles an hour, mm-hmm. 50 miles in an hour, okay, you will use less fuel than if at some points you're doing, you're stuck in traffic and other points you're doing 70. Yeah. And even within that, when now we're coming to your own driving behavior, mm-hmm. the more you anticipate slowing down, and therefore lift off and slow down as opposed to braking at the end, the less fuel you use.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? Back to my right. What are you measuring? So if you wanted to measure, I want to get there in an hour, and I don't want it to cost me more than 8 pounds 20. Now we have to measure not only average speed, but maximum speed. And the number of times you hit you, you know, the peaks and troughs, and how, how much you're going to was to use more fuel than you, right? So that's when, depending on what it is you're trying to measure. So you might want to measure yes, I've got recurring revenue compliance, but what am I paying my staff? Yeah. You know, how often do I have to pay them overtime? Am I paying extra overtime? Why am I having to pay them overtime? Is that because I haven't got enough staff? Is it because they're taking too long? And, and no business is simple. You have to be able to look at those nuances in the business and say well which bits do I need to really get my head what will indicate that I'm going to end up with a big overtime bill hmm. but does it is it in you know is there a scheduling issue where suddenly I get all these clients coming in and, and on Monday and Tuesday so I've paid a load of overtime on Monday and Tuesday and then I'm paying them not to do anything on Wednesday, Thursday and Friday and actually what's happening is we're not scheduling these clients properly and hmm. making this up, desperately trying to make something up fit. Right?
1: Well it's going to be in the team's benefit to create overtime on Monday, Tuesday in this example as well.
0: Yeah and then sit there you know not working terribly on the rest of the week and they earn more money. Well that's not really fair, that's not, that's slightly breaking the covenant with employer isn't it?
1: Hmm.
0: So perhaps we're measuring scheduling and we're making sure that we have all we have productive hours, or as many productive hours as we can in the day. Not only that, but we're measuring across a week how well spread our productive hours are across a week. Yeah. So that we does this make sense? Yeah. So that, so that we don't end up falling into overtime and then having people without with a very easy day mm. accidentally or otherwise i
1: not? think we've also got some clinical to be listening who either run a domiciliary practice or are domiciliary and obviously there is a demand for home visits and services at home but sometimes that decision can be driven because of a saving of rent which is of course is a huge overhead saving in many ways in having a domiciliary practice but without close management of petrol costs of travel time it can be a very very leaky business as well
0: Well, you see if you've got a domiciliary practice you're right back into my failure mm. you should run that like a logistics business
1: mm.
0: so your route planning your route planning and your scheduling will become a determinant of profit
1: which is very, very much what happens in the home care industry in terms of Postcodes and very tight management of care workers. And
0: even within the postcode, it's like like, I want to go from there to there to there to there to there to there and home, not there and home, there and home, there. You know, you could end up going there, there, past home to there, back, back, past. (laughs) Then you a lot more time, a lot more cost than if you went A B C D E clock face. Yeah, and that's obviously an incredibly simplified version, but you know, I mean, there's there's significant pieces of software that are very, 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 very good at that. Right, are doing the the best route. But if you were doing that, and you're going to see five clients in a day, not only should we be thinking about how we most effectively visit those clients, but also Maybe if we could persuade the client that's the outlier, might not be an outlier tomorrow.
1: Yeah.
0: We've got three others over there. Yeah. It also then comes back down to your your client scheduling, not just your routine, so that you, you have clusters and you visit clusters. Yeah, if you can,
1: yeah.
0: that's a profit determinant. If you can't, it's going to cost you more money and time.
1: Thank you, Richard. Can you just summarise this conversation for the listener in one or two sentences?
0: One sentence. We need to measure what people do and manage what people do that affects the outcome that we want from our business. That's what we measure. That's what we manage.
1: Thank you very, very much for your time today, Richard.
0: You're welcome. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much for listening. If you found this podcast valuable, here are four ways I can help you grow your practice for free. Firstly, visit wwwmarchlandmethodcom forward slash grow. There you'll find access to the free Profit Without Pills program. You'll also have opportunity to register for the free web class, the triage call, and you'll be able to sign up for the weekly email newsletter where you get hints and tips on how to create a profitable and sustainable practice. And finally, please leave a five-star review so I can get access to influential people and speakers and bring them here so that they can share their lessons with you.